0: want to know more about what your favorite ninjas have on their minds check out the american ninja warrior podcast it's available wherever you get your podcast and it's a great listen for any ninja warrior fan nice article in the managing madrid uh
1: blog and wonderful lads that do a great job there and
2: worth reading about that man there
0: Hello and welcome to your first, I think, official Managing Madrid podcast of the 2019-2020 season. This is your host, Gabe Lesra, and uh, we are off. We have begun. The season has begun. I mean, obviously, the preseason has begun, but Managing Madrid is back. We're bringing you weekly shows. I'm joined today by my man, Keon Sobani. And by Omar Arvind, we're going to talk a little bit of that Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, and then we got some of that hot goss for you guys with the uh, Bale situation um, and a couple other topics. Um, before we jump in, just want to make sure everyone remembers, if you're in New York and listening to the show, please show out. We have our um, live Managing Madrid podcast next weekend on Sunday. It'll be incredible. I can't wait. Um, we're also going to be at the game against Atletico in New York and the Meadowlands. It'll be really fun, um, and we're going to do a post-game show with Josh Zeitlin, who's making his triumphant return. So lots of really ex- exciting things. Um, the link to buy tickets to our live show will be in the our article, so just go ahead and click on that and show out. It'll be fun, fun as hell. So how you guys doing? Ohm, Keon, what's up?
2: What's going on? This is uh, the first three man post game show of the of the season. I don't know if this technically counts as a season, preseason, whatever, but we haven't done this since uh the last campaign. And throughout the basically towards the end of it, we were just we kind of almost checked out of what was happening. But it's nice to <laughs> to be back and doing this uh with the with you with you guys. It's, it's 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 always fun.
0: It's the real thing. I mean that's what I'm saying. It's the real deal. We're back um Uh, And, you know, I think the key takeaways from this crucial, important match against Bayern Munich is how well uh, Gareth Bale played. Just really a huge game for him.
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Really impressed. I'm I'm so looking forward to how he's going to play this season, especially knowing that he's (laughs) going to be a starter moving forward. So really awesome. Really As Zidane said, yeah, in his in his post match press conference,
2: he also looks really fit, which is which is good news because uh, apparently he's been training really hard this off season, <laughs> and uh, we might get the best version of Gareth Bale. So, uh,
0: obviously, this is a joke because of the, uh, well, the ridiculous and hilarious press conference that Zidane gave after the game, where trying to explain why Bale played zero minutes, he was like. Yeah, we're trying to get him to get him, you know, out the door. He's leaving. Bye. Get out. Get out of here. <laughs> it was it was pretty bad. Um, but yeah, I, I think that we'll we'll come back to some of this stuff, but it's kind of dumb. Uh I mean look, it's the preseason, so I think let's just give the spiel that we always give um when we talk. I mean we've been doing pre- this show for quite a few years now, and we always give this spiel about preseason games that the score and the results are essentially meaningless. And that what you need to do is look for kind of incremental improvements in the players, kind of tactical ideas that the the, um, coach is trying out, and see how the young players are progressing. So I think that's sort of what we're going to focus on today, talking about Real Madrid-Bayern. So in the first half, we got what I think is a pretty interesting lineup out of Zidane, and one that we may see a fair amount in this upcoming season – uh Keon it was a 4-2-3-1 with Modric and Kroos as kind of that double pivot and um a three line of Asensio Isco and Azard with Benzema up top now it was a very creative line that created a fair number of chances that Benzema really managed to not put away
2: yeah and uh I'll preface this by saying, but that uh, I have an irrational love for preseason, which uh, probably makes me analyze things a bit too deeply. That is more than that is really not necessary, really. Um, But just mostly because I get starved of Real Madrid football for so long, and then when this preseason stuff hits, and then you see all the new faces putting on the white shirt from Hazard to Kubo to Rodrigo, you're like, "Oh, this is going to be super fun." So you 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 kind of look at it in a way that I think while we don't take much away from it, you at least look at it with some intrigue and excitement. And that's how I felt. Exactly. Um, I So when I saw the starting lineup, the four-two-three-one is one of my favorite lineups. And I think people who listen to this podcast, they know how I feel about it. I really like it. And I've always liked the idea of having the Motor Crow double pivot more than we've seen it. We've seen it only a handful of times in the past, like three, four years. So, I mean, keep in mind that, you know, Casimiro's obviously hasn't, hasn't joined the team yet. Um, and... When you have Modric, Kroos, Hazard, Asensio, and Isco, and Benzema, one of the most creative, um, really false signs we've had, it's it's a lot of fun to just look at that and be like, wow, this team is going to hold the ball. They're going to control the tempo. There's going to be a lot of chances to create a lot of movement. I think some of it, we saw some of that. I, I think the thing with Hazard, for example, we saw some rust, some heavy touches, but also a couple outrageous pass, passes that you were like, wow, this is what we've been missing in the team. Like he's just so surgical and direct with the ball and doesn't really overplay. It doesn't, isn't superfluous with it, even with his dribbling and his line breaking, it's all with a purpose. Um, I think everything else will come into place nicely. Um, Marcelo looked pretty fit, uh, which was a good sign. And I think he had a pretty decent offensive game. You know, obviously this is keeping in mind that the whole team wholesale changes in the first half, like Zidane has done this in past previous uh, preseasons where 11 players come off at halftime, 11 players, and you come on in the second half. And Gabe, like, just with the Benzema um, missed chances, that was one of the reasons we. I was kind of excited to just see Luka Jovic come in in the second yeah. half to kind of yeah. take those I mean, chances.
0: And there were a fair amount of, you know, rust, you could definitely tell. And you could also tell the players that weren't particularly rusty, I think in particular in the second half, we saw the... Really, Matt, like incredible play of Ta- uh, uh, Takafuza Kubo, who everyone is extremely excited about. I am also extremely excited about, especially after watching him play in this uh, in the Copa America. And he, so he had been playing in Japan prior and then he played in the Copa America because for whatever reason, Japan is in that c- competition. Um, he was a revelation, best, arguably the most important player. I mean, definitely the most important player on his team, one of the best young players in the tournament. Um, only 18 years old he did not look rusty at all though I'll say that and that's because he has been playing Azard, on the other hand has had a rest and it's frankly nice to see a preseason where uh, a lot of the players look <laughs> frankly not ready because it means they actually did rest and <laughs> we haven't had a preseason like that in a while and I you know I think one of the big issues with last season for Real Madrid was that everyone was so tired. I mean, Marcelo had this down, like down second half of the season, especially partially because he was so tired. But they look rested. They'd look, you know, not entirely there yet. And Benzema didn't look entirely there yet. Azar didn't look entirely there yet. But that's all actually kind of good. And it was exciting to watch how the young players all kind of approached that second half. And um, I think, interestingly, Luka Jovic was one of the players who didn't perhaps shine as brightly as he could and he will otherwise, but it was, I mean, really interesting, like incredibly intriguing front line with, with Kubo and Rodrigo and, and Vinicius and, and Jovic.
2: Um, to your point about Jovic and like, so I, I think one of the reasons, um, the team struggled, even with those, that exciting front quartet of Vinicius, uh, Vinicius, Rodrigo, um, Luka Jovic and Kubo and Lucas Vasquez, obviously. Um, well, because essentially it was five of them. So that's part of the reason why it didn't look great is yeah. because they were so isolated. You look at that in midfield, and uh, I'm not entirely sure what the plan was. It kind of became clear that Kubo was the one dropping deeper and pulling strings, and he looked great doing so. And actually, I think the fact that Real Madrid was so dysfunctional coming out of the back with all those um, young players. I think was a further testament that, you know, Kubo was actually really impressive to try yeah. to come out and drop deeper, form some press resistance with Mendy, uh, making some really nice vertical passes. Jovic at this point was just completely isolated though, because Ramjo were struggling so much to get the ball out of the back. I think so the context of grading the players in the second half, especially those attackers was that they were really playing with Segunda players plus Nacho uh, and Mendy in the, at the back. Sayo the only midfielder, really, the only pure midfielder, potential um, yeah. midfielder in the team, was 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 struggling getting the ball at the back. He was the one to give the the ball away for Byron's second goal, and uh, really Javier Fernandez had a nightmare game uh, alongside yeah. Nacho and and De La Fuente didn't look good either. So like that that back four was all over the place, and I'm not sure we want to get too analytical about it because
0: I, yeah, I wouldn't. They were just lost I positionally. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't want to like get into that because there's just that's like a bunch of Segunda players. And then, um, you know, Mendy, who's never played Real Madrid before, and uh, and Nacho, who, you know, is kind of perpetually around and important kind of uh, do-everything player, but not someone that you would want to roll into a match starting with. So, I mean, it's it's just not that, I think, worth – Jumping into that, it, it didn't. I think you're extremely right to say that basically running out what what a, what would seem to be some sort of four one zero five right. Like it's like
2: yeah, that's essentially uh, what it was. Yeah,
0: uh, you're not gonna like you're. It's gonna be really hard to get the ball up to the front players, and that did not allow the young players to shine as much as they could have otherwise. And we saw flashes of talent from all of them. I mean, Kubo, I think probably shown the most, but Rodrigo what like was I frankly, incredibly good. I thought, I mean, he is such an exciting player and he scored this beautiful free kick. So, you know, he, he also has a huge amount of potential. So there were flashes, but I think, I mean, one would hope, one would hope that in future games, Zidane allows, these players the ability <laughs> to actually uh, c- occasionally touch the ball, like that'd be nice.
2: Yeah, well, I you know one of the when I mentioned the fact that this team, I, I would have I mentioned on Twitter basically that I would have liked to see in the front four play with a better midfield and a more structured defensive line, <clears throat> and now with a bunch of players that won't won't even get close to the first team this season. Uh, and and someone had commented, don't overanalyze preseason, but I'm like. Sure, but I just wanted to see that. That's all. Um because it's not
0: overanalyzing to say we would like to see the young players actually play in a system that would allow them to show off their talents. Right. That's not over analyzing.
2: Right. God damn, so, so I, mean, dumb. I, I
1: think God. that's I think that's fair. Um, but I think like we at this point know how Zidane likes to go about preseason and as for, from Everything we've seen thus far, I just don't think he looks at it as a time to really test systems and put together coherent like um, elevens out on the field and test all of that as much as he considers it to be, you know, a a fitness test and and a building up of. Yeah. Maybe and again, this is just the first preseason. Maybe he goes ahead and does that in you know the next couple. But we've we've had two preseasons now where there's just been no discernible system, where I've looked very closely to see if Zidane's going to change anything. And it's just kind of chaotic because it just seems like Zidane's just trying to get everyone into the flow of things, get everyone fit, get everyone out on the field, and just kind of assess things from a broader perspective. And you know that's not necessarily like an inferior way of doing things, but I think it just is the way Zidane. Right, that's a fair, things. right? Yeah.
0: Right. And it's like, it's fair. That's a fair way to approach this um it, getting people in shape and getting people fit is a critical element of the preseason it is arguably the critical element of the preseason but you know that being said the preseason is for a lot of these younger players the only time they're going to get a real chance to show off and putting them in the position to do that would be nice even if uh that is per- perhaps too precise of a thing to ask out was it done uh, at this yeah. point
2: no and for me it wasn't a matter of like I, don't, I I honestly could care less about really what Zidane does in the preseason because it's preseason and um, we've had amazing preseasons followed by bad seasons and terrible preseasons followed by trophy winning seasons So I, you know this stuff doesn't mean much to me my point was just that it would have been fun to actually see Rodrigo and Vinicius touch the ball a little bit um, and yeah. not get isolated now having said that I think there was like a stretch after the Rodrigo free kick, where like it was kind of fun, like Real Madrid they were up a man, probably unjustly. Um, well, unjustly, full stop. Who
0: cares? I mean, and,
2: like, uh, but there was actually like in a kind of like a swagger to them with Kubo and and Rodrigo combining, and I, you know, so I I think part of it was just that I would have liked to see Jovic get the ball a little bit. He was so isolated in this game, which yeah. um, again, doesn't matter too much because it is a preseason, but it's just something that I selfishly would have just wanted to see. Well, I, mean, um, I think to a certain yeah.
1: extent i don't know if it's like super selfish because like at the end of the day zidane has a track record of going on and achieving without really showing us much tactically in preseason like and when i say showing us much tactically I I mean, showing us what his concrete <laughs> ideas are and showing development like or, or showing like an inkling that something is going to change um but I, I, I do think it's fair to, I think, at least want that. And that will manifest itself in, like, coherently supporting your forwards, right? Like, I because a lot of the main questions over this season, at least from my end, is, like, what is Zidane going to do differently tactically? Because he has a different squad. And there were some issues that arose by the time of his departure that I don't know how he's going to solve. And it would be nice if I could see a little something in preseason, at least a little bit of preparation so I know those issues are going to be addressed. And primarily, like... The, how our defense is going to look like on the counterattack, um, and I don't, I just, I don't think that's really going to happen, and I don't know, it's, know if it's going to mean a huge deal, but it does have some relevance. Because um, I mean, and it there comes- is,
0: there is also, yeah, and there is also the question of if there's going to be another major incorporation into this side, which I know that Madrid is still interested in, and if there is, for example, a four-two-three-one could become a, a system that we see it's just that it'll be like pogba next to kroos or someone like that or something like that with modric somewhere else or you know well there's still a lot of basically what i'm saying is there's still a lot lot to be decided so yeah he can try out systems but even if there even if there are no more incorporations which it's not clear how that's going to work um he may be trying or at least trying some things out um and luckily <laughs> we we'll, we have showed him that um, playing whatever the hell you played in the second half doesn't work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he hopefully at least takes that message away. It's like, all right, well, I guess I can't just do for like two Segunda players and, you know, uh, Nacho kind of like tell all guy and then have one, maybe, you know, like one first teamer, uh, Potential starter in the back line and not get like a bunch of goals scored against us, but well, um, that's why I say Zidane, yeah. It, like,
1: that's why I say Zidane doesn't. I don't think he really is like he doesn't really focus on like tactical development or planning in preseason because I think Zidane would know that that wasn't really going to work you know, results wise, performance wise, but he just did it anyway because he's like, I just need to get these guys out there. And like if you want a hyper contrast, yeah. you can take like Maurizio, sorry. We've seen his preseasons where it's like it's definitely about fitness, but it's also about super getting these guys to understand what this system is and you can like see it instantly happening and, and what it is. And, you know, it's it's just two different approaches. There are some pros and cons there. I don't think it's a game changer or anything, but just given some of the things in the past, I think it would maybe be a little helpful and also be, I think, a little more interesting if we could get some understanding of how Zidane's going to approach things tactically and whether, most importantly, whether he's going to change some things for the better.
2: Here's one interesting takeaway from it, though, Um, and that is when you look at the second half and you look at the team that was out there, does it at least make you think about the midfield depth a little bit differently? Because I think who was missing from yesterday, Ceballos and Casemiro. Is there anyone else? Kovacic is gone. Hamas is not going to be here. Um, I guess Valverde yeah. was the other one. But so, like, there is yeah, like at least and... some like you could ask. Just talk yourself into like we probably need somebody there. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we
0: that, we I, need I think...
1: someone. We absolutely need someone. I think. I think the club is intent on. Hogban Ericsson, you know, as far, I've kind of been out of the loop with transfer news. So I don't know if that has changed, but like we, it's clear that the club is looking to bring someone in. I, and I, I hope that is still, you know, our goal. Um, But, you know, as Kian and I have discussed in the past, like, and Gabe and I as well, some, the Kovacic thing and this, you know, maybe the decisions I think to possibly push the bios out seems a little strange, even if we are going to bring someone in.
2: If they don't bring anyone in, then it, you know, it obviously makes sense to keep past, to keep the Now, like I, from what I've heard that, you know, they've been maybe convinced to not sell him and just loan him for a year or two um, in case something works out with him elsewhere and they really want to bring him back and, and just having that security to fall back on. But, you know, there's another then, interesting I kind of scenario. I feel like
1: we could use Ceballos. Anyway, go ahead, go ahead.
2: No, I mean looks I, I I'm a huge Sabios believer. I think he's insanely talented and I think he's gonna have a really good career if he plays consistently. Um but there's another scenario is if they can't sign someone and if the options after Pogba are Ericsson uh or Vanderbeek, which you know those are your, those, really, the two. I think Erickson was probably the more realistic because I think uh, they really like him the way he plays. But and he's really good. Well, but like, but he, he if, is
0: actually quite good.
2: If you if you don't get either of those two, uh, are you at least considering keeping one or two of those midfielders and Ceballos and James? Because you can't go into next season with just Valverde.
1: I mean, yeah, you, you I, really in, in that situation, we have to have Ceballos. and I, I think we know what's going to happen with James. I, I mean. Whether he's going Atletico or not, he's not going to be here. I mean, it's, yeah. it's it's what Zidane wants, but I I do think it's valid. Like let's say let's assume that Zidane would consider it, and somehow we could influence that decision. I think I would sit down and really be like, yeah, I think I think we gotta really think about it because our midfield depth is is kind of weak at the moment.
0: Yeah, as we sh- and as ironically as this game showed. You know that second half really should like expose the fact that the midfield depth is 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 really not there right now, um which is interesting because in the past like that, that area has been one of the few that i've I've felt, and I think we've all felt pretty comfortable with saying that Madrid had very good depth there, but suddenly, um with a you know number of different declining players, and then like with these departures and you know with the younger players, maybe still being a couple years away um, actually that suddenly that, that position is one of need now. And Madrid, the, the crux of Madrid's you know, three peat in the champions league and that kind of golden era that, that they're still kind of building around with some of the players is, was that, you know, best midfield, best center midfield in the world with Kroos and Modric, right. And, uh, and, and Casemiro occasionally, but just Kroos and Modric, but with both of them, like, Modric potentially in decline, Kroos uh, having kind of an off season last year, it shows that they need they need to go out and, and retain another one of the best players in the world probably to play in that position if they want to have a realistic shot, I think, long-term. Um, I do not have that much more to say about this game because it's a preseason game. Kian, did you have anything that you wanted to like bring up, mention that you took away other than like, man, it's back. I
2: have nothing. Football. I have I have notes, but nothing that like in like May of 2020. Someone listening to this podcast is gonna be like, man, I'm really glad Keon said that back in back in the preseason when nothing mattered. So, <laughs> not much sad, really. <clears throat> yeah,
0: um, I think it's. I think just really quickly, really it's pretty clear what Azard is going to bring to this club, and what he's going to bring was certainly lacking last year. And that's great. I'm ha- I'm very happy to see it. I, I'm also really psyched that the, he um, rocked number fifty on the pitch. Really cool. <laughs> that's, great marketing. That's, I hope that's his. I really hope that's his future number. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny. Fifty is the new seven. Um, I, I'm told. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's clear that he's waiting for. I mean, it's it's clear that he's waiting for probably eleven or to free up. That's my guess. Um, but. Yeah, at least so an, we'll if Zidane see. would
2: have came out and said that as the reason as to why he's leaving, I would have been I would have been on board more. He should have just said we're Bale didn't play because we're looking to sell him because we need to give Hazard number eleven. That's that's full stop. That's the reason.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. So, I mean, that's the only reason. Since um, we're on the topic, I guess we should just discuss it then.
0: Yeah, let's just talk that's what I was gonna say. We should just talk about the Bale stuff. I mean after the game, obviously Zidane comes out. You know someone sticks a mic in his face in the presser, and he's just like, Yeah, I didn't play Bale because he's about to leave. We're you know working on an exit, could even be tomorrow. Um, now the the goss, the the tea, so to speak, is that Bale's agent <laughs> came out the next day and was like, Zidane is disrespecting Bale, and you know, he's not totally wrong, but
1: also because Bale, I mean, we right,
0: specifically, he said Zidane was it just, yeah, which is like. Yeah. Which is not true, right? Like, it's not true that Zidane's a disgrace. He was disrespecting Bale. And as Madrid fans, we should have a healthy understanding of Bale's career, which I think only in a few years are people are going to really look back on and think, wow, he really did bring a huge amount to this team and was part of these, like, great moments. But, like, uh, this kind of fighting as just classic, you know, players trying to lead – Either not not wanting to leave and getting pushed out, or or whatever, and and you know Madrid has hasn't had a catat- like really catastrophic departure situation since the Mourinho era, but this is this is shaping up to be one if Bale's agent is going to act like this, um, and if Zidane is going to you know talk instead of just being like yeah no comment or whatever, um, if they're going to keep fighting about it, then we're going to end up in a situation where there's a lot of bad blood, and that's not it's something we're trying one would hope that Madrid would try to avoid.
2: Yeah, Yeah, so I, uh, you go ahead, you go ahead. um.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I was, I was just gonna say that what is super striking about this is honestly, if this was another manager, I, I, I don't know if it would be such a big deal. It's still kind of like, it's kind of like, wow. But what's really striking about this is that it's Zidane doing this because I cannot go back to one single time where Zidane was ever this straightforward and kind of just like, yeah, it's better for everyone if he goes. And basically, I just can't wait till that happens. Like, there was plenty of drama with the Hamas situation. I think it was evident um, fairly quickly that Zidane did not really, you know, either he was like, if if Hamas is going to be here, he's not going to be a starter. And if he wants more, he needs to leave. But Zidane never said that directly, like never. And it was clear that the personal relationship between them was was not very good. And it is still clear that is the case. And yet Zidane never said anything like this. The fact that he's saying this now, one tells me that like the personal relationship between the two is is truly broken. And also that, you know, and there were reports coming out about this, that the reason Zidane left was because he wanted bail out I mean I don't know how true this is but to me connecting the dots it makes sense that Zidane wanted bail out the club said no and Zidane's like all right I'm out because because there was a lot of reporting done beforehand that like Zidane will have say on like the transfers and stuff like that and honestly all the evidence up until that point pointed that that was the case like people kept saying like oh Florentino didn't want to buy anyone and Zidane left because of that and I was like that doesn't really makes sense to me but it being about Bale does because Zidane you know he had that period where he was kind of playing Bale out of position Bale played badly Bale got you know moved aside for Isco once again for that diamond in the run to the Champions League final and then Bale comes on and scores the winner and right afterwards he says I don't like the position that I'm in and it was clear that it's clear that there was conflict between them and it's possible that Zidane's like, "Yeah." I, I don't like this, like you know, player power thing or whatever. And I think Bale needs to be moved, and the club probably said no, and that's why Zidane was like, "All right, if I don't have that authority, I'm out." Um, and here we have Zidane really asserting himself, saying like, "Yeah, I'm in full control here," or at least, I mean, I don't know if you guys agree with that, but that's what I'm taking away from him.
0: It's It's interesting. It's certainly an interesting takeaway. I, I, I would imagine that there's got to be more to it than just Zidane's you know, trying to relationship with one player. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I, I, it makes a lot of sense that it would, that would certainly be related to it, that he would have said something like, I think it's time. It is actually time for Bale to move on the club rejects it. And then Zidane maybe feels like uh, I want to have a, I was under like the impression that I would have a more powerful position in the club when designing my squad. And I do not right now.
2: Yeah, no, I, I think that's actually the key point. That's the key takeaway from all this. It's that there's no other reason that Zidane would have spoke about it publicly like publicly like this. He's been so good at dancing around questions and being kind of politically correct and throwing water on all the questions that make no sense, that are directed toward him, game in, game out, pre, pre-match, post-match. Um, he's been very good at just being very political about it. This was out of character for him. And... You know, I I don't think, and I don't mean that in the way that some people are painting it as disrespectful, disgraceful. I I don't think it's like that. If you look at the the actual quote, it's it's much more toned down. The tone isn't as brutal as it, it as it look as it reads on paper. In that, it wasn't something that Ramiel were doing behind his back. Like Bale knew he wasn't going to play because um, they're negotiating a deal deal for him that Bale is fully aware of. And so, and then he went on to say, which which this part didn't really make the the rounds, which was um, it was nothing. It's nothing personal against bail. We are working on a deal to for him to leave, and he knows that. Now he could have just not said that. He could have just literally said nothing, and that matter gets dealt with behind the scenes. But I think that is exactly the key point that you know Oma um eventually got to. And what Gabe you're saying is that <laughs> this is about. Pressure. This is about putting pressure on the club because the club may be just kind of testing the waters. Okay, we've talked to this team. Mm, no real market, no real deal. Uh we have to pay like, you know, 60, 50, 80% of his salaries, whatever, not worth it. We're just gonna keep him. Zidane is pushing it, you know, but just I don't care what the terms are, get him out. And so on one hand, it's like Certain managers would have just kind of accepted that. I think Zidane is at a point now where he he really feels like he is untouchable. And again, I don't, I'm not sure I mean this in a bad way at all. Uh, but just that, you know, if you look at the situation, he literally was called multiple times to come back. He said no, and then they finally convinced him to come back. He was the only club pl- coach that left on his own terms, really, in the, in the modern era. Um, in many ways, he he has a very long leash, especially after his trophy haul. Um, so he can come out and say these things and kind of just remind people like, Hey, you know, I was given this opportunity to, yeah. but my, my issue with it is that he's, he's not an immovable player, but he's also not an easy player to move. And so it's one thing if you tell the board, Hey, um, I want to move James Rodriguez which even him seems to be a tough market to move. But a talented young player like that who doesn't really have a huge injury history, doesn't really have a problem in terms of a track record of you know just doing bad things off the pitch, apart from that one speeding thing, which Marka, I think, overblowed a couple of years ago. But Zidane, or Bale, is not an easy player or contract to move. And I know this is nothing new. We all know this. But if the options yeah. are right now China, which... I don't think Bale would be interested in and the alternative being Tottenham a homecoming for him which Pochettino seemed open to in a press conference last night I I guess but it's if 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 you're if you're really narrowing down your options Zidane has to kind of understand like hey like we tried maybe you're just going to have to put up with it and just I see mean, what happens
1: there, Yeah if, I think there also was I think it's, it's a bit much to like say it's disgraceful and whatever, you know, I think Zidane has a right, you know, as the manager and especially on the terms on which he came back to be like, this is my decision. I do think there is a slight bit of disrespect though. I mean, you know, it's super hard to like talk about what happens behind the scenes, but like, I mean, it's just clear that Zidane just wants him out because he feels like, you know, Bale just doesn't provide the worth to the club. And you know, I i mean, I made my thoughts clear on the way I thought Zid- Zidane handled Bale in the 2017-18 season where, like, I thought it was rather unfair, right? I mentioned this earlier where, like, he essentially played him out of position. He played yeah. him as a striker. Bale didn't perform in a position he can't really play. And whenever he was played in the right position, he was actually playing really well. And then Zidane says, okay, he uses that as justification to just kind of be like, oh, you know, I'm going to, like, freeze you out of the squad, even though like your form is actually good, and I can easily accommodate you into a position that you play, and then Bale actually comes back and and basically wins that final for Zidane, and it's Zidane is kind of like, yeah, Bale can't really offer anything right now. I just need him out, and it. I mean, he did he did say it'd be better for everyone, and you know, he said it's nothing personal, and I do believe it in the sense that like he doesn't hate Bale personally, but there is that sense of like, oh he's just not going to provide much. And that, that is a taste that is a tad disrespectful. And I am also not sure it's completely accurate because, you know, there is one thing I'm aside from the midfield, you know, depth we discussed in terms of like the other thing I'm concerned with slightly, not as much as the midfield, but slightly is that I'm still a little worried that our scoring is concentrated on just a couple individuals. I don't think it's necessarily distributed that well. Like, it's Jovic yeah. is really the only signing who really brings that volume scoring hazard will a little bit but I don't think in the way that a lot of people are imagining and Bale has a proven track record of being you know a volume scorer a volume shooter and he's always been in the top three at least you know last season he was our second best scorer and shooter behind Benzema and like when to me that's still sort of a weakness in the squad it's like I mean, it's, it's, there's, Bale can clearly contribute. Now, whether that means you should keep him or not is a different story. Like, I think ultimately, you know, we, I think it's a pretty decent decision to part ways with Bale at the moment, but just like it, I think it was a little disrespectful and also a bit untrue to basically say, yeah, like, I mean, he just needs to be gone because like, it's better for everyone. Possibly not. You know, I think, I think it could turn out that Bale could contribute if, you know, and it it might be all right if he's not sold, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I wouldn't blow it up as much as some are, but yeah, it was it was definitely, I think, Zidane making his feelings clear and not necessarily caring for once that he might hurt Bale's feelings or something like that.
2: Yeah, I, I actually think it was a bit personal, um, even if he says it, it wasn't. If you look at the track record of this relationship, you know, it went from Zidane was essentially the one who pushed for Bale's signing when he was a sporting director. Then, um, obviously, all of the, the memories that we had of bail throughout the years, um, which kind of like, you don't forget about them, but when you revisit them in a time like this, it kind of makes you shed a tear a little bit. Be like, man, that guy, that, he literally was incredible in, in four different finals, high stake games. Um, and throughout his yeah. career really was, was, was really good. And you look at his numbers and I mean, they're better. He's, be, he's, his numbers are better than pretty well any Galactico numbers. Um, Apart, like in terms of his goal scoring ratio, in terms of um, his assist numbers. And now, like if you just stretch it out, you zoom out, and you, you follow him over the course of his Real Madrid career and you realize what it could have been. It could have been even more. I think that's what maybe frustrates fans. But all in all, you look at this track record with Zidane as a coach and um, there was definitely a period where, and I think it really, in in Zidane's last season as a coach, in I guess 17, 18. Um that whole lead up to the final in Kiev and Liverpool, I remember we we recorded multiple podcasts about it. We recorded multiple yeah. we we wrote multiple tactical previews of that game against Liverpool in the final. And everything about it was we need Bale to start that game because the the diamond had been so scouted and, and so inefficient at that point where Isco was causing a lot of problems defensively, like just the dominoes of him being out of position constantly in every, every midfield trying to tread water and transition. Um, people were, were able to defend it better. The league form suffered anytime that bail play on that flank, everything changed. Cause he was so good defensively helping Carvajal. Um, he gave Modric more freedom to tuck inside. He was good down the flank. He was creating, he was scoring, he does whatever he did in the final, which was magical. Um, but then it seemed like Zidane really didn't want to go that route, no matter, you know, how well Bale played. And I think Bale, not innocent himself, his comments after the final, his agent, we can also, we can excuse Bale all we want, but the reality is his agent just lays into Zidane every opportunity he gets. He lays into Zidane, he lays yeah. into the club. That has to matter. That Like, that's, that's unexcusable. Unexcus- yeah. if, if I'm Bale, I'm like, just keep it down for a sec. Just, didn't you not just aggravate the issue? Do you see me? I don't even talk. Like, just why do you have to go out of your way to to burn bridges like this. I think that's a huge yeah. problem. Maybe Zidane's and the club's issue aren't even with Bale. It could be with Barnon at this point because he's just, I mean, some yeah, well, of his I mean, comments are ridiculous. I can
1: just interject quickly. I like, I, I kind of feel like Bale could stop that if he could. And I think he's okay with it because there was that thing about like, I, I mean, it's, I, I think people exaggerate when they're like behind his back, but essentially what it was when like Ancelotti, you know, was playing Bale in a little more of a reserved position in that 14-15 season. So it was more of a 4-4-2 with Ronaldo playing more of a like a hybrid center forward role. Like his agent did go to Florentino Perez and be like, "Hey, you know, this has got to change." And like the whole run up to the 15-16 season was oh, Benitez is actually going to make Bale the centerpiece over Ronaldo and there was that brief period where Bale was playing like more of a shadow striker role like in the center. Um I, I I think Bale, by and large, his character has been unfairly attacked repeatedly, but there is this thing with Bale, you know, kind of using his agent to, you know, make power moves within the club that I think, you know, Ancelotti commented about that. And then I, I, I just don't think Zidane would be super happy about that, especially with his return. I, I do think that is like the one point where I think Bale was culpable. I still don't I still don't think it it should have turned out as ugly as it did now. But I think in this area, Bale hold, does hold some responsibility here because I think there's there's a history here where I think I think if Bale is not directly. Saying to do this, he can at least say no, and and he's decided not to. And I I I don't think it's a case of like his agent just being uncontrolled. I do think that Bale is okay with the things that he's saying, and I do understand why that would aggravate sidon
0: I agree. Um, I don't have much more to add on this. I mean, uh, I interrupted Keon. I don't know action.
1: if he wanted to like finish off what he was saying, or if he had anything more significant to say. Sorry about that. Well, just
2: that I I, I do think it was a definitely element of it being personal because it. I, yeah. I think if you, I think if you put yourself in Zidane's shoes and you evaluate the past year, and he came back, he saw the team up close. He has, and by the way, you we can't blame Zidane also for Bale's form entirely because Zidane wasn't here. Like he came at the end of the season, he wasn't here for Solari, he wasn't there for Lopetegui, where Bale also wasn't good, and. Bale had every every reason to be a star this season. If he ticked off all the boxes, Ronaldo left. Uh, he has more playing time. He has he's more of a go to. He is more of a quote unquote alpha, which he just wasn't. He just refused to be that person and player. So Zidane wasn't around for any of that. But he comes back and and now all of a sudden he's expected to revive Bale's career and all of a sudden like it's you know I can and kind of see that and so the Bale side is this which people argue he has no reason to leave he's making an insane amount of money to live in an incredible city Um, Zidane and while we all would probably maybe do the same and some of us would say we wouldn't some of us might do that anyway Zidane's perspective is this I need players to play it's unfair to me that a player is content sitting here at his salary, and because of him, I can't sign the guy I want. I have a roster spot taken up. I can understand Zidane's perspective. Be like, well, that's cool that you want to live here and make a lot of money. I, I need somebody who can actually contribute, and I don't think you can do that. So I understand that that why that would be frustrating for Zidane. And like the manager your Twitter account, we made the joke that. <laughs> uh, Gareth Bale is to Zidane what Toby was to Michael Scott and like while it was a joke I can kind of like see that Zidane just really is annoyed by all this
1: yeah I think there's plenty of blame to go both ways but at the end of the day I would side more with Zidane honestly more just because of Bale's injury and age like those are the two factors for me honestly and I don't see at what other point we could actually sell Bale and like probably not going to make a profit, but be coop some of that money. I mean, to me, th- those are the two key factors.
2: Yeah. No, it's a business. It's, it's a business. Like we can't forget that. Like if you have to detach yourself from your emotional um, bonds with the team or players, if if you really believe what's best for the team is to move on and bring someone else in, it's completely fair.
0: Yeah. Uh, and I agree. I mean, I don't think they're I was really hoping this wouldn't have to get messy, but it is gonna it's getting messy. Uh it's getting messy because it doesn't maybe um in previous years there may have been more of a market for Bale. Um and he like it would have been an easier sell, say, last season around this time. But now, unfortunately, it just that's the problem as much as anything. Because if there was a huge market for Bale every like with every club wanting him. I think that there, he would have found a home by now, but like, I mean, as far as I can tell, no one wants to take on his contract and, you know, he, it's hard for him as a, you know, as a player to be like, what, I'm supposed to like get sold to some other club, and make less money in a place I don't want to live. And what, I mean, <laughs> what am I supposed to do in that situation? Like, yeah, you could go to China and make a bajillion dollars, but like that would mean moving your entire family to China. I, I don't know. I just, I I get where Bale is um, coming from, but I also get where Zidane is coming from for exactly the reason you just said, Kian. And, you know, um, just to like wrap up the segment, I think you're, I think also you're right. If none of this, if there is no, if Bale doesn't get sold, then Zidane, like, it would be the sign of a bad manager for him not to make the most out of the talent that he has at his disposal, frankly. So if there is no, if there is no departure, no sale, no sale, then he has to figure out how to incorporate him. And if he can't do that, or if he won't do that because of personal grudge or whatever, then that's, that's a problem. That's a negative on his, on his, on his ability to coach and and on his resume. But I, I do think, I mean, like, and if Bale's like, fine, screw it. Like, I'm actually fine coming in as a super sub. How is that a bad, I mean, like, how is that by definition, a bad thing? Just, you know, it's, it's only really negative if there's a huge personal fight between the two of them. And, or if Zidane says, I won't play you at all, which would be crazy because Bale actually is very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Check out the American Ninja warrior podcast for a behind the scenes. Look at all the action of the show and more with your favorite competitors. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Hey, I'm Spencer Hall.
1: I'm Holly Anderson. I'm Ryan Nanny.
2: I'm Jason Kirk. And we're the hosts of the Shutdown Fullcast, your Avengers of College Football podcast. It says here in the script, I'm too riff on what that means. And basically, what I mean is it's all already spoiled.
1: Every Tuesday, we talk about everything from cooking disasters to pro wrestling to unfashionable pants we wore in middle school. We also do talk about college football every now and then, like mascot fights, announcers fleeing the booth early, and unfashionable pants that coaches wear now. If you want to take college football exactly as seriously as it should be taken,
0: subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. So let's go on to questions because we have have a few questions to answer. Um, this uh, this week also just just another plug for our live show. We're doing it next week. I can't wait. I'm really excited in New York. Uh, Kian, you want to give the deets of exactly where we're going to be? Uh,
2: yeah, it's uh, at the Playwright Irish pub. Uh, it's where the New York Pena regularly meets and uh, it's at 7 p.m. July 28th. Um, so come out. Gabe and I will be there recording a, a post uh, or a podcast live in person and you can come out and meet us, have drinks, hang out, ask us questions, interact with us. It'll be a lot of fun Um, and, and really It'll chill ambiance. So, please come out and meet us. And uh, again, like if you're anywhere close to New York, just come down. Especially if you're going to come down for the July 26th game against Atletico in New Jersey. Then just, you know, stay for Sunday night and just come meet us.
0: It'll yeah. be great. Yeah. It'll be so much fun. All right. Um. So... First question from Joao uh, dos Santos, he asks us, uh, how confident are you that Vinicius will receive significant minutes this season? Could Zidane favor Isco and Asensio? Uh,
2: I'm yeah. confident that Vinicius will get minutes, and I'm also confident that Zidane would favor Isco and Asensio.
1: Yeah, I'm super nervous about this. Like, I it was part of the reason I was kind of, like, nervous about Hazard because it's like the conundrum with Hazard is, like, I mean he's clearly better than all the other wingers we have so you have to play him um, if you if you spent all that money to sign him but at the same time like Vinicius is super good you know he can offer things similar to Hazard you know at Hazard's level and it's also like better for the future it's like I I guess the big thing is like, can Vinicius adapt to the right wing? Because there was a report about Zidane trying that out in training. Um, I'm also skeptical of that because like so much of Vinicius's danger was his ability to dance inside onto a stronger foot, you know, and release shots on goal and stuff like that. And, you know, producing shooting from the wing is something like we need that, you know, it was part of my point about like how Bale could potentially be useful if we don't manage to sell him. Like it's, yeah, it'll be very interesting to watch. Like, it's hard to be definitive about it because Vinicius is so young. Like, there's a possibility of adaptation, but like, yeah i I think it's gonna be it's gonna be very tough. And like, it is it is pretty true that Isco and a sense are more polished players, they're better players at the moment. And if they're on song, like, they would deservedly start over him. So like, Vinicius is gonna have to fight for it. But at the same time, like, we haven't exactly provided environment where it's like. Vinicius feels like he, he'd get a lot of minutes, you know, if he's playing well, like, you know, if that makes sense like Vinicius could be playing amazing and he still wouldn't get minutes and, it, and Zidane could rightly be like, yeah, it's because these guys ahead of you are better and so I'm nervous about that, like development is about minutes more than anything um, but we'll see, we'll see we gotta hope um, it all works out and Zidane has he's managed really tough rotation schemes before, so I guess you just gotta place your faith in him yeah. on this one Yeah um, Kunal Tilakar asked us.
0: Uh, heard that Alberto Soro is jo- go- joining and going back to Zaragoza on loan. Would you provide a quick scouting report, please? Um, I do not even know who that is. So, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. all of us we we're like frantically Googling. Um, Keon, you're the one that I, 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 I think we decided would give the quick <laughs> scouting report.
2: Uh, yeah, I'll be the spokesperson for our our Google research. Um. A player I hadn't heard about before, um, Alberto Soro. I sent a quick message to my friend David Cartledge, who's pretty. You may know him. He's really he's a good Spanish uh, football journalist, but also does a lot of scouting of younger players. And uh, I'll just read you verbatim what he said. Very, very talented player. Good physical and technical quality. Can sit and play as a central midfielder who dictates play, but also has the physical attributes to be box to box. Likes a late run into the area and supports the attack. Um, he's 20 years old and this is me talking and this is my scouting report. Uh, he's 20 years old, talented attacking midfielder who, um, after I watched his YouTube stuff, um, really good dribbler and really comfortable in tight spaces, has a nice flair to his game. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I got. I won't, I won't pretend to know anything else about him.
0: So yeah, he's going to Tharagoth on loan. Hopefully he gets time. As Om said, the most important thing you can get is time. And, uh, Getting good minutes at, uh, at a club is is important, as we've seen with um, our next kind of this longer list of uh, people we're about to talk about. I mean, it is about getting minutes. So Varun asks us, uh, take a wild guess, irrespective of your favoritism, out of the following plethora of teenagers and very young Real Madrid signings in recent past, who among the following will last long at Real Madrid Um, like Benzema Ramos or Marcelo. Um, and then he gives us uh, all the young players. So why don't we just go through and we'll just, for each one of them, we'll give a very short, like one, two words, like long-term or probably not type answer just based on our, our instincts, because this is not, a lot can happen with young players and, um, they're just
2: very possible that Not they won't and all pan out. And preface it by out. saying um, it's impossible to predict any of this stuff.
0: This, yeah, everything we're doing is just uncut. There's no way to predict it, I don't think. So So if we see a tweet right, tomorrow
2: have... that says Keon does not rate Circuit
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> Right, no, that's and it's like don't,
1: don't, don't. It's going to happen stuff. regardless of PR, Just prepare yourself.
2: Can we just interject really quickly right. and say that we got a couple of beautiful tweets yesterday after the preseason game? One was that Mendy is terrible, and we should have never bought <laughs> him. Really the bad. other one was Hazard uh, is that, yeah, and it was a waste of a signing. All right, please Great. continue. Cool.
0: If we want have it a normal one, all right, uh, Vinicius.
1: Yes.
2: Long-term.
0: Right. right. Long-term.
1: Long-term. Long yeah.
0: Yeah. And Kian, you said yep. long-term. Me too. Yeah. Long-term. Brahim.
1: I don't think he's going to be long-term.
0: No.
2: Uh, no. Kian.
0: I'm also a no on him. Rodrigo. Yes. Om. Yes. Probably.
2: Probably.
1: Kian. Am I supposed to wait for you to say my name? Yeah, me too. I think- <laughs> yeah. It's more structured no, that way. Just Let gonna, Gabe
0: moderate it. Just that – Okay. Okay. No. Okay. No. All right, all right, I. I will moderate. All right, all right, Rodrigo. Also, yes for me. Uh, Jovic, Om. Yes. Uh, pr-
2: yeah. probably. <laughs> probably.
0: I'm yeah, also I'm a there. yes on that. Odegaard, Om.
1: Uh, I, I'm gonna say yes just because I feel like the club has like taken so much care to like carefully develop him. I just it would just be weird if the club didn't do everything in their power to make sure he was long-term. Um, and also it would Kian. prove all the haters wrong. Yeah.
0: That which would just be really
2: great. Um, Florentino has said he's the future. Uh, having said that, I think I'm going to give it this one. 50, 50.
0: Yeah, I actually think he's he is a long-term player and we're f- he's following a, a path that I think Madrid has been very deliberate about and it'll a lot of whether like this will this announce will change entirely based on how he does this season. This is like the critical season for me determining him um because he's moved to La Liga, he's playing at a team and if he gets if he can get good minutes and kind of guide that um that team then yeah, I think he really will be um yeah. Um, all right, next one. Reguilon. Uh,
2: um. Ohm. No. Kian. 30% chance.
0: I'm also not a long-term. I'm thinking not long-term.
2: All right, Ashraf Hakimi.
1: Ohm. Yeah, I mean, this is probably going to cause some controversy, but I'm going to go ahead with a no because Carvajal is 27 and Odrio Zola, I think, is the better option at right back. Key and I and I don't think Hakimi can be the left back in Zidane's system.
2: Uh I do think he can be a really good left back. I'm gonna say 50-50 because I think Zidane will rate him more than he he rates Regulon and then Marcelo will be retired by the time or not retired. Oh, he may move on by the time Atraf Sloan spell comes back, and then we may see Atraf Mendy. 50 50. Okay,
1: that's an interesting debate, but like we can't do that now. But I want to have that debate at some point.
2: Okay, bring forward.
0: Yeah. I I tend to side with Kian on that one, but I'm very interested to
1: hear about the debate. Um, Kubo, Om. Uh, I'm going to go ahead with yes, but to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of this kid. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't think my opinion matters that much on this one.
0: Kian. Yes. I'm also a yes. I think he's the real deal. Um Leonin, the keeper from last year. Ohm. Uh,
1: no, I don't think so. Kian?
2: Yes.
0: Interesting. I, I also don't think so. Um, I have a couple of reasons, but mainly because I think that Madrid will move on from uh, Courtois to someone all, who is also probably very good. Yeah. And and Lunin hasn't shown anything I, yet or has Well, I think hasn't been clearly shown
2: anything. I yet. think Lunin will be will transition into a backup for Courtois and then either get sold or eventually overtaken. Yeah.
0: Um Asensio. Ohm.
1: Yes. 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 Kian,
2: Uh 50-50. Mm.
0: I'm gonna go with yes. I think that he he can recover some of that magic with Zidane. That's my guess. Ceballos. No. Ohm. No. Yeah, I keep no. forgetting. You have to say my name. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no. Oh, did you say my name yet? I'm also. Oh no.
0: Yeah, I did, dude. I'm also no. I don't think. I don't. I think. I think he's probably gone.
1: Last one. Federico Valverde. Um. Ohm uh i mean zidane really seems to love him um when we don't really have a sample size like i said so many times before like i will say under zidane i think he thrives but afterwards i don't think so so i i, I, I guess it depends on how long you think Zidane's going to be here but if we say another like three years i guess that's not long term so no
2: i'm gonna say no but yeah. isn't it interesting cause i can say this now because valverde was the last person this. oh sorry gabe your turn
0: Oh, no. I am I mean, I'm interested in hearing what well, you have to
2: say. I was just going to say it's interesting that we're answering this with thinking Zidane is the coach. So at what point do any of the fates of these players change if Zidane is not here one day? And well, is, it, if, is Zidane not here, like, that far away? Like, is it possible? Like, how long is his leash? Like, you know, it's just interesting that our answer may change if, let's say... Pretty unthinkable that this happens, but in December zidane has gone.
0: Also, yeah, and also we also said that next year this will have been totally will be totally different. I'm gonna go with, uh, I'm gonna go with also no, but only because um, I actually think it's probably likely that Z- Zidane doesn't last as long as maybe people feel. And I actually we don't have a, enough of a sample size to rate Fede Is the problem? So I, I have no idea. This he's he's probably the biggest. Uh, not sure. I mean, like I'm not sure about any of these guys because we don't have a sample size. But with him, like, there seems to be something there that Zidane sees that other people don't, and I don't get. I don't know what that is exactly. So I'm I'm not sure. <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't have. Well, That's <laughs> the biggest gripe um, I have
2: with anyone. Like you know, Om and I discussed this on the Patreon pod a while back. Um, so many people want Valverde to be the defensive midfield. I'm like. That's cool. Just show. Can you please just show us the game <laughs> where we saw that, so we can rewatch it and at least I, agree I, or I, disagree with you. Yeah. It's one thing
0: I
1: would to love to know. To where it. you're it's going one
2: thing to just like. Can we just see it? Like, you know.
1: No, but yeah, but like people right, are like yeah, he is the backup defensive midfielder, and it's like, how? How have you? It's just amazing. Like some people have just formed like super hard opinions, like on no evidence, and it's just it's rather remarkable because like. They truly and deeply believe it. I mean, maybe it is highly possible they're seeing something that I'm not. Um, but the, I mean, the thing is, I'm just asking to see something. So, like, yeah. I mean, yeah. Valverde is definitely one to watch this season um, because yeah, there are a lot of arguments either way. We'll learn some shit about him finally. Yeah,
0: <laughs> hopefully. Um, and so the last question has been sort of. M- mooted, <laughs> moot by the the way, the reaction after the game, but Sujay Wani um, talked about uh, the the open training session where people were training. Bale was playing centrally with Hazard on the left and Vinicius on the right, and Isco behind, basically as a striker. It was Asensio and Lucas on the flanks with Jovic in the center on the other end. you think Bale could eventually slot into a number nine role? It seems like Zidane was testing a 4-4-1-1. Four, four, one, one. Um, so this question is basically like, Bale.
1: I mean, Zidane was like Bale's leaving. So I mean for the for uh, I mean long, I'll just quickly say I think basically every time Casemiro has been out, Zidane I think has turned to the double pivot. So I, I don't know if that necessarily says he's going forward with that long term, but I, I I do think it means something, but I just think it means it's a backup formation without Casemiro. But again, you know, things could change, but I'm just going off, you know, the what I've seen Zidane do throughout, you know, his two and a half seasons at Madrid. Yeah.
2: Well, poor, poor Sujai sent this question before the game, I believe. So it's, uh, yeah, he, yeah. Had, he had no idea how irrelevant it might be. Um, but Sujai, I think it's a, it's a good, you know, we talked about Zidane as a striker before, home and I, we both wrote articles about this, about how his numbers dip severely when he plays, and I think plays that role. And I think part of the reason is because, Bale, like Modric, is the type of player that the more involved he is both on both ends of the field, the better he is because he can influence his yeah. will on the game and be more involved and be more alpha. And um, It is interesting, like, I mean, we don't talk about it that much, but Rafa Benitez, really zero legacy, but one, one of his la- legacies was that he played Bale in that free role, almost like as a number 10, and Bale was great in that role. So, like, it's I really, think, like, really he has to be role. really yeah. involved. Um, and, you know, but maybe this this question does remind me of something else, though. Like, literally two days ago, Zidane said that Bale is in the team, he's under contract, and nothing's changed. Which was just like, what a yeah, 180 that from that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that is true, yeah. Yeah.
2: Um,
0: all right, that is your show. That's your show for this week. We're back um, to doing – because, we. I mean, obviously – we have regular games now, basically um, we have preseason and then the season will start. Um, so we're going to be back doing this. We have our midweek shows. We're also premiering soon a um, show uh, that we're going to try to do every other week, covering the women's team um, in the beginning of that, but there were some uh, recording issues on that. So that's not up yet, but that's something to look forward to. And if, again, just last plug, come, come see us live in New York. It's going to be awesome. it's going to be really fun. And you can have a drink with me afterwards and, you know, shoot the shit a little bit. It'll be fun. Um, We're also going to be doing a live or post-match show um, right after the Atletico game. So I'm very excited, but definitely come to our live show on Sunday, the 28th of uh, July and uh, in New York city. We're coming. Let's do some quick
2: shout outs before we uh, say goodbye uh patreon.com right. slash managing madrid is where you go to pledge get different rewards uh get re- responses to your questions get access to bonus shows and we're going to have a lot of bonus shows this season so make sure you're part of that uh shout out to these ten dollar plus patrons who get a guarantee who get a, a shout out on the podcast um Nilsson, frederick sundros john fernandez Said mahad nick de stefani adam dorsey frederick Rantakiro. Leon Savernakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Essa Hariri, Sergio Monleon, Ilian Zako, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Robero, Eric Rogers, Sad Omar, Sheikh Atiri, Ola Wapamimo, Ola Dunjoy, Patrick Odaiafati, Christian Toff, Dan Berthi, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Kunal Tilakar, Maren Myrtle, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujaiwani, Pena Maridisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Brennan Stevens, Casper Moscala, Catherine Fagunda, Vinod Baratula, Zoran Bossingich, Swaya Ayala, Crystal Glass, Rafael Servia, Yehin Liang, Karen Scherer, Somanchu Singh, Brennan Powers, Rovi Tagiev, Amiel, Shabal Sharapov, Fabian Moreno, Faroon, Bernard Kufour, Magnus, Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, and Solomon Ortiz. You guys, that was the longest list we have ever I've ever read. Wow. Yeah.
1: Oh, wow. Amazing. Thank love you it. guys so much. I love, I love it.
0: I love it. It's amazing. All right, until next week guys. Ala Madrid. Ala Madrid.